listening to Sleep Nation Station podcast right here, right now. We're back with Brandon Hillis. So, you're an artist. I what am. got you started in the artistry world? Uh, the artistry world or what started me to draw? Yeah, what started you to draw? Kiss. Really? The first, yep, the first thing I've, I've been told, the first thing that I ever drew was a picture of Gene Simmons. My mom, huh. my mom tells me that before I could walk, I was scribbling on paper, but my dad says that the first thing that I allegedly, I allegedly drew was a, was a picture of Gene Simmons. He had Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Theme Park on VHS, and I used to watch it on repeat. And we went to Pigeon Forge, and he bought me a, the Kiss t- it's a Kiss t-shirt that I still have to this day. It's the four albums, their solo albums on the on the front, and I drew Gene Simmons on on uh, from that shirt, and um, but yeah, it was Kiss, man. Uh, for I can't remember a time in my life where I wasn't captivated by characters, probably for that reason, movies like that, characters like that, and um, everything I ever saw. I was an only child, and when when my cousin Sam wasn't around. That was the only thing I knew to do was to uh, react or reenact and uh, find ways to, de- to depict these over-the-top characters. I mean, how do you, you know, at six, seven years old, what else do you do with Batman besides want to be him? You know, draw him and, and just anything that I could do with Batman or the Ninja Turtles or, or insert it, I, I, had to, uh, I had to try to recreate what I saw. And I never stopped. I don't, I know you doing art and, and having an art thing, like where you stopped to play, to play guitar. I, it was just always this weird, mellow time for me. Even now, everything I've ever drawn for you or for other people, it's a zone. Um, That's right. You've done the, you did the debut Sleep Nation album cover. And you've done everything since then. You've done all the single artwork, the artwork for Scream and Shout, yeah. um, the artwork for American Way, and Woman. And uh, one of the things that makes me most excited about your album work specifically is in the entire time, I think you've only ever wanted one specific thing. And I think that was the, uh, the debut album. You, were, you had in mind what you wanted. But other than that, it's always just kind of been. Uh, this is what I this here's the song. Listen to it and then depict it. And I'd I'd say if there's any one thing that that will always make sure that anytime you say, hey, let me, I want you to do an album cover, no matter what I'm doing or where I am, I'll I'll do it for you. It's the fact that you uh, you trust me visually, um, because in art, a lot of times I feel creativity is uh is limited you know people oh yeah this is uh this is the song and and this is what i want but you you've always just been like hey man like here you go check it out listen to it and then just do it and something something about that level of trust man it's it's always made me feel really really good especially when i do something and i i, I pass it over to you and and you're like how hey, you know that it, it whether it exceeded your expectations or or that you liked it it's just like man heck yeah you know like your music's your music's just kind of got that vibe, dude. You can listen uh, scream and shout 
it, it basically it basically painted itself. Um, your mouth a machine gun. I mean, it was as straightforward as it got. You know, when I when I heard that line, I instantly saw what I painted, mm-hmm. and uh, every everything like that, like uh, all the ways that you and I visually, uh, as far as music video goes, man, your your way of writing words basically visually does all the work for me. I mean, American Way was so easy, you know, uh, as far as the cut co- the cover goes. When I when I listened to that song, what I painted was what everything I've ever done. What I painted is what I saw. That's like, you know, I don't like, I don't want to step on anybody's creative toes, you know, but right. also if you're getting to outside parameters that are kind of set, you know, and, and I'm losing the vision of what I had in my head for the song. It's like, yeah, I might have to say something. I could totally, I could totally see how that would go though, because, uh, just to compare the, uh, the mediums. Most of the time, if I do a, a piece of artwork, like there's only one way in my mind that it should be. And of course, it's, I'm not having to work with, uh, with three other individuals and, and, and depicting my, my vision. So I'm sure the, the mental struggle is a lot more strenuous, but uh, it's no different than if I was to spend 90 hours doing a painting. And then when I step back and look at it, I'm like, holy crap, that's not, that's not anything at all what I wanted it to be. You know, and and you're you hats off to 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 songwriters or band band members in general. It was so, it's something I know I could never do because to to write a song and then to trust you got to really trust. I feel to hand somebody over something that actually you have emotional connection to and emotional uh, effort put into and be like, okay, now add what you feel should should make this better. And I don't. I know you're not the, you're not the control freak of. I gotta write it all. You're just gonna be my my you know my backup man. So it, it's got to be a struggle. Yeah. Well, it's just you know a level of trust. But I mean, if something I feel just doesn't go with an, a a vision, you know, sometimes we can roll in there and write a song. Something it'll come out real quick. But then sometimes. You know, I've we've kind of started on a vision, and and I've kind of got to work on it a little more. You know, and was, a lot, you know, a lot of times, uh, as I understand it, a lot of times some of them old visions come back and uh, they're rebirthed into something a lot better. Yeah, yeah that that's uh, that's what we're working on right now. <laughs> but you know, I, I always um, there's a the some of the new stuff that you're that you're working on now um usually if i get a phone call on wednesday or i've gotten phone calls on wednesdays after your practice where you're super super pumped about the fact that you know you guys walked in there and and something something sparked from a little riff or something and next thing you know you're you're about done or if not done you know like that that has to be super motivating to just have everybody on the same wavelength and just be like, holy crap, that was amazing. You know, like that's that, that's that. I, I love being in a band feeling, I would imagine for you. Yeah, most definitely. I, I wish that, I wish that everybody could get that like high, that creative high when everyone's firing on the same cylinders and you're writing a song for like the first time 
and it's all coming together, and you're like, wow, this is probably one of the coolest feelings of all time. Do you have, um, because I've been asked this question, do you, do you find it hard to describe what, what it feels like to be in that zone to somebody that wouldn't know how, how to interpret it? Yeah, because I've never, you know, there's not, there's not really any other feelings that kind of can, can compare with it. I there's really not. When, when people ask me that question, because it's been asked before, like, uh, what do you do to get into the zone or, you know, what, what's your process, what's your creative process? I guess that's, that's normally how I hear it most. Uh, my res- I've, I've kind of trained myself to have the response of being to make myself as uncomfortable as possible, because the only way that I can know that somebody will understand how it feels to really be in that zone is to describe what it would feel like to uh to sit on your legs you know like if you were to sit indian style but fold your legs under yourself and to hunker over that that level of uncomfortable that that feels like um that's what it feels like for me when i'm doing something like a painting or a drawing or something that i'm really emotionally invested in because the only actual feeling that i have is acknowledging that my legs hurt because i'll I'll put on my music when I draw or when I paint. I, I specifically listen to 80s pop, and I go into this this zone, and the only thing that I am aware of is that my legs hurt Man. or my back hurts. And so you can't you can't describe to somebody, oh, yeah, you know, when I'm painting a picture, I, I see these lines that I've scribbled out, and in my mind I see it in stages and – it's this color first, and then I shade it like this. Because people, if you don't know how to blend a color or if you don't know how to play a guitar chord, nobody's going to understand what that feels like to uh, to figure out how to go somewhere from like a C chord to something else. Just like nobody's going to understand what it feels like to, uh, to press a pencil down just a little harder to make a fatter line go the direction you want it to go you know so you just have to connect it it's like getting it's like uh, getting poked in the eye everybody knows what it feels like to get poked in the eye so you have to tell them something that they can relate to yeah an interesting an interesting note that i was thinking about is that you and i both went to an art class whenever we were like fifth and sixth grade was that right Mm -hmm. that's true and then you actually sold me my first electric guitar. Was it your first electric guitar? Yeah, PV Predator with the yep. Airwalk sticker. And and uh, a peeled-off Danzig sticker because I didn't want to sell you a guitar with a, with a demon skull on it. I didn't know you took the Danzig sticker off. I did. Well, fun fact about that guitar, right now in my mom and dad's house, there is a picture of me on Christmas Day holding that guitar is that when you got it was christmas day it's christmas day that's weird because i think that's um like that's how i got that guitar is because i asked for it for christmas and then i you know like got the got my or, or my dad and stepmom gave me like the money to to go get it from you and i think it was for christmas i think it was because it was cold if i yeah. remember 
And uh, I think you you threw in an amp, a little practice amp with it. Yep. Yeah. That um, and I'm pretty sure that day, or maybe a day uh, not too long after it, was one of only two times you and I ever got together and actually played music out of all these years. Really? Yeah. Because I I picked around with you the day I sold it to you. Hmm. And then uh, right around the time you and O.T. Merritt were uh, doing something, I came over one day and, and we jammed a little bit. And that's always kind of, I think, I know I've told you that before, but that's always kind of on my bucket list to have one good jam session with you where we just uh, sit around and, and pick guitar, whether it be acoustic or electric or what, and just uh, pretty much do this. You know, this I feel like this podcast is basically a, Picking a grinning session. Well, I mean, it's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday drive to practice conversation. You know, uh, except for I've gotten like super weird into like me talking about me, which uh, so it was about me. You want to talk about and I want to talk about number one. Oh my, I want to think what I want, what I want, what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Little little Toby K. Dude, where where does Toby K land on the? Uh, uh, chart. Uh, here's here's my issues with with Toby K. Is should have been a cowboy is probably in my top ten country songs of all time. Is it because you wanted to learn how to rope and ride? <laughs> uh, maybe so. I. I it it was my ringback tone for a while. Are you like, serious? Yes, it was. It that was my is ringback tone for a little while. Um, and people were really weirded out by it. No, I think it's perfect. Well, no, they were just like, man, you play in a rock band and your and your ringback tone's a country song. Like, so sue me, you know? Yeah. If if you want to, I mean, if it, dude. Two phones ago, I had an iPhone five. My ring back, my ringtone was Annie Lennox walking on broken glass. You want to get some people raising eyebrows? Just let walking on broken glass come through when you get a text message. You'll get some funny looks. I'm an Annie Lennox fan, dude. Sue me, <laughs> as you would say. So sue me. Yeah, so sue me. But you know, so once again, that's that playlist, man. I get into that. I get into that '80s pot. It's because I can listen to that music and there's nothing about certain 80s pop songs that just really uh, really gets you kind of feeling good about yourself. Essential 80s pop songs, go. Oh, God. You got to put Thriller up there, I guess. I guess you do. Unfortunately, I just have a hard time with Michael Jackson right now. Did you watch that documentary? You and I haven't talked about that. No, we haven't talked about that, but I can. Yeah. You, but you don't think, you don't think some of the underlying things that revolved around that documentary's existence is a little fishy. Like the guy's history of, uh, dropping through and not getting a job and, how he how he talked, he kind of convinced the guy to go in with him to to admit that this all happened. And I mean, there's a, there's a whole, a whole lot of underlying things that well, uh, made there, him there was not. two guys, and the guy who was a 
choreographer for like in sync i mean he's that guy kind of you know he didn't he hasn't had like a need for money or or like the you know the limelight or anything like that so i don't know i, I just it is weird it it's it's not good you know for no it's not good for him at all <clears throat> michael you know passed away this whole this whole thing's just it's it's really it's really been a hard pill to swallow but i've stayed true man uh even through this i've i've stuck by my by my jackson guns uh as a fan at least it it's been a tough one this one's probably been the toughest one to to really to really ride on but you know hulk hogan hulk hogan was no saint and he and he's known as one of the greatest in his profession too you know nobody can deny michael jackson changed the uh the platform of of, of music you know he, he introduced what a music video is basically to to now you know do you know what the first music video on mtv was no i did know that answer at one time video kill the radio star that's uh, probably the most fitting. You know the number one played music video on MTV of all time, still to this day? I don't know. I feel like it could be like Smells Like Teen Spirit for some reason. No. Nope. What is it? Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. You're kidding. I kid you not. Wow, that song kind of ranks up there as one of the greatest pop songs if we're going to get serious Quintessential about it. 80s pop song, Sledgehammer, yes. That's it. Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I totally spaced on his name, but I mean, Power, Power of Love hits that chart for me, too. Oh, Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. Is there anything that Huey wrote that wouldn't, you know, that was a, a air quote hit that wouldn't? I mean, geez, man, he did a lot of cool stuff. Tons of cool stuff. Actually, probably one of my favorite Huey Lewis in the news albums actually came out in the 90s. Really? Past their prime. Yeah. It's it's called Hard at Play. And it came out, I think, in like 93 or something like that. And it's just, you know, they're not... They, they seem unaffected by the 90s grunge movement, but they're just, they're just being true to themselves and still, you know, making the same kind of music and... Just rocking it, man. It's got some great jams on there. It's a it's a front to back. I'm I'm gonna have to go back and give that album another listen. Yeah, you should check it out. It, it's it's probably my favorite. Where do uh, where does some Wham land on this list of of eighties? Does Wham get a mention in, in some of, of course, the? Oh, you know, wake me up before you go go. That's a that's a classic. That's like a guaranteed, isn't it? That's a guaranteed. It's like right up there with Blue Monday. I feel. Oh, that's that's a good that's a good Blue Monday is an excellent um, excellent choice. I'm going in. The, I'm trying to go in that direction of like the Culture Club. See, I kind of whenever I think in my head, first, and I don't know why this is, but and, and it's kind of only been the past like five years that I've my my brain like switched is. When I think of like '80s pop, I kind of forget about the the like superstardom '80s pop, and my head thinks more of like the 
80s alternative kind of pop, like Erasure and Howard Jones, the kind of the otter, like the... The Pet Shop Boys? Yeah, yeah, Pet Shop Boys, you know, earlier Depeche Mode, um, kind of the weird stuff, because I can, in my head, for some reason, that's what I consider as 80s pop. I mean, I, I like bands like NX, NX, NXS, you yeah. know? Yeah, I actually was jamming out to them the other day. So, if that is, in fact, what I guess we subconsciously think about as 80s pop, so was Men, I, men Without Hats would fit on that list, right? Like, they were, they were pop. Like, the Safety Dance was as pop as it got, I guess. The Safety Dance is one of the coolest songs, I think, as far as like in the pop genre, because here's what here's what I want to say about Safety Dance, and songs that were also in the '90s that just are not gonna happen anymore. I think the last song that I can kind of consider this in, you know, was Gangnam Style. Oh yeah. Um where they're just these, like, super catchy, super weird pop songs, but they're just, you know, everybody, everybody, like, they there's, like, a pop culture rally around these songs, and everybody knows about them, and everybody talks about them, and then, you know, for, like, a year, and then they just drop off the face of the earth. My dad, not too long ago on Facebook, shared a video of a song <clears throat> that me and Sam were obsessed with when we were kids, and it was uh, "Walk Like an Egyptian." Of course, yeah, the Bangles. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a really good example of what you're talking about. You think because the Bangles had a couple other hits. What I mean, as far like when you said when you said like Gangnam Style and stuff, I thought about. Like, Are you talking about like had, weird, weird pop songs? Yeah, and then it had like yeah. a dance with a dance that was associated yeah. with it, and yeah, the the, the, the safety dance. I, I don't know if it had more of a more of a. I guess the, in the title, obviously the safety dance. But well, was the it was safety more of a, dance exactly? Was it kind of like a a precautionary tale of dance, so you wouldn't injure yourself? It was a safety dance, so it may yeah. have not even been a dance at all. But the video itself spawned so much in culture. We actually thought about covering that song. Oh, that would be insane. But it was only just in the talks. We actually didn't. Nobody learned it or anything. We just thought that there was a chance that we could do it. But we didn't. Because we thought that people would be like, "This, this is too weird. What uh yeah that I, I you know honestly I I support it. Shame on whoever said they thought it would be weird. I support it. I I thought it would be a little weird, but oh uh, well, shame on you. You yeah, should do I know. it. Anyway. I'm sorry. But get but get the but hats you, though. You know, We're like Aqua, Barbie Girl. That that was a really weird pop song. That was an extreme. But that was yeah. ninety. I mean, I know I'm talking like nineties songs, but I, I just I miss I miss those kind of pop songs and i think the 80s was the birth of those type of songs oh yeah i mean i know we just mentioned him but like thriller was pretty weird 
Yes. It was Michael, but Thriller was weird. Um, no, no, it's it's definitely not like it's just not a normal song, you know. It's it's definitely out there. Uh, right said Fred. That's a good one. Too sexy. Right said Fred. Yeah. Well, then I, when you say that, uh, that makes me think about the what is it? She drives me crazy. That was a weird song. I mean, it was very eighties, but it was kind of weird. Yeah, it was like pretty weird. The, yeah. The the way the the song kind of didn't really flow have a have a flow, but then the chorus would drop and it'd just be like this really exciting thing, and they would just go back to him sounding like he was out of breath the whole time, you know. I think that's kind of where the weirdness comes in is that really high, like, you know, breathy kind of falsetto. That uh, look at getting you're getting technical on me, Brian. Well, I mean, that's what he was. That's what he was rocking. But you, I mean, you brought up, uh, or you've brought them up before, but um, you know, the West End Girls was kind of a was kind of a unique song. Man, I, I need to delve more into the Pet Shop Boys. I feel as like much as I love like Depeche Mode and all that kind of stuff, I've I've tried to, but like West End Girls is about as good as it gets for me on them. That gum, man, you've really made me think. Like, do you count like weird stuff, like not necessarily Purple Rain, but like, um, like when Doves Cry? Do you count stuff like that, or is that just too mainstream pop? Because when Doves Cry was pretty intense, or some of his mm-hmm. other stuff, like uh, Dirty Diana, like that was pretty. That was a pretty raw song, Dirty Diana. Yeah, I'm just saying they're like weird songs, you know, that are just not kind of in the I feel like Prince probably has a song like that. I would say more, let, let's go crazy probably fits into that um into my like weird pop songs of the past like four decades as like weird pop songs. It was early it was early 80s but uh what was um uh the Human League Oh yeah! Don't you want me, baby? Yep. That was kind of weird. Yeah, I agree. But it was pretty, super, much, pretty much any '80s pop song was had some type of weirdness to it. But that's what that's why I think when you know the '80s is probably one of the best decades is because they didn't they didn't have a whole lot of you know they kind of threw like caution to the wind. They uh, everything was experimental in music. They, she blinded me with science. Thomas Dolby. That's blind, probably oh my god! How did that song miss out? How did we miss out on that one? It just popped in my head. That's amazing. I Good mean, that wasn't me, even man. like a real song. It was just. It was like the monster. It was like the monster mash, dude. Oh, so did um, what's that? Boris, what was that guy's name who sung that song? Monster Mash. I don't remember. Boris just... Pickett. Um, <laughs> Boris Pickett, Monster Mash. That may have been... I, so I, I correct myself. So the 80s did not spawn the weird pop songs. I think it was the 60s. Because Monster Mash is definitely a super weird pop song. Yeah, Monster Mash may have started it all. What I mean, what other song can you think of before that? That was that off the wall and kind of themed like that was a very uh, themed mr sandman yeah yes. but, was, but that was <laughs> yeah but at least at least mr sand at least that song had to do with like you know 
thinking about a girl or a guy or whatever the premise of that was, you know, make her the cutest. That would, you know, what's the Mr. Postman would almost land in that too. Oh yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. But like, but it's so crazy because you've really, you've really made me think about how crazy the eighties was. And then in the middle of that, like something is, uh, as perfect, I know that might be a stretch of a of a word, but then you get something like "Take on Me" birthed, you know, and you're just like, "Oh my god!" Like that was that's an awesome song. Like when I think about the '80s, "Take on Me" is usually one of the first songs that pop into my head because it just I loved the music video, I loved everything about that song. It was just epic for what it was. Or uh, or the police. How do you get every breath you take birthed out of what was going on in the '80s? It was definitely uh, a song about voyeurism. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything about it was, well, uh, that's a weird song if we're going to go into, like, you know, the meaning of the song. But it made you, you can hear that song to this day, and and you won't skip it. At least I don't. Like, the police that's a good come jam. on. It's definitely a good jam. Not one that any should play at their wedding, but. No, no, you don't. Some yeah, people I mean, do. I feel like they'd be like playing Total Eclipse of the Heart at your wedding. You know, that's just Michael something. Scott, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yep. Oh, man, dude. Um, okay, so 80s welcome this weird stuff, and then the 90s roll through, right? And the 90s are kind of, oh, the late 80s. The 90s, 90s had a lot of weird songs, too. That Oh, what that, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Faith you know, like, that was a pretty weird song. Yeah, any I know we both love them, but uh, let's face it, Live had some weird songs too. Some live songs that make you feel pretty weird. Which ones? Like, what are you talking about? Um, no, maybe it wasn't Live. I know their music videos were acid trips. Maybe that's more what I'm thinking about these weird music videos. Yeah, I alone was definitely a weird. Oh yeah, because he's like making all those weird body gestures the whole time. Yeah. We're like. Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. That song, did, that song's video didn't even make any sense. There's a lot of videos that didn't make any sense, but yeah, I yeah, the vast majority. Take on me's music video barely, vaguely made sense. But what I, where I was going with that was like the late '80s, early '90s kind of birthed this uh, this recreation of songs. So, what would you say the most quintessential best cover song of all time is? Hmm. Hmm. I have mine, but I want to hear yours. Probably Gary Jewell's Mad World. Oh, my God. Originally done by Tears for Fears. Yeah, yours yours beats mine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, or actually, were you going to say Hurt? No, I wasn't. Okay. Actually. The one that I was hurts phenomenal though. But the one that I was gonna say is, is probably so left field. You're not even you're I, not even You know And it's not word up by corn either. <laughs> which which this is a great version. Oh yeah, I won't take nothing. That that and their version of Lowrider, they they might be the quintessential masters of weird cover songs. I, I I'm gonna take, you know I don't know. I think Mad World is probably, I, it's going to be a, I, I'm going to say Hurt by Johnny Cash is probably number one. 
And then number two is Ger- Gary Jules, Mad World. That's what was yours? UB40's uh, cover of I Can't Help Falling in Love. It's a good jam. Dude, that song to me, the only reason that I put it up there as probably my favorite, if not my opinion, my opinion of the best cover song of all time is because it completely made you forget Elvis Presley wrote it. It's like listening to Whitney Houston sing, and I will always love you. Like You'd be like, Dolly Parton, who? Like, yeah. They set these tones. But, I mean, Big Mountain did it, too, with Baby, I Love Your Way. Have they took really... a song and completely reimagined it. Yeah. Have you ever listened? I just had a song pop in my head. Oh, well, I... U2's version of Can't Help Falling in Love. Oh, uh, no, that is a pretty good version. Yeah. Because in, in my brain, I remember that version, but I'm not real familiar with UB40 version. But what about UB40? Is it UB40 that does... The Lean On Me cover? Maybe. Will you be jamming? Will you be jamming? <laughs> I don't know why you said that, and I instantly thought about the cast of Cool Runnings. Like, that sounded like the Jam- uh, the Jamaican bobsled <laughs> team song for some reason right out of the gate to me. No, like UB40's version, if you ever saw it, um, I will say this. If you looked it up right now, Everybody on the planet should be as into life as their uh, as their trumpet player is. When when the when the like the the chorus kicks in or the verse, I mean, that dude is having the time of his life, man. And he's like very not like early nineties. He's got dreads and they're up in a ponytail and he's got the round sunglasses and he's just he's as happy he's as happy about life as anybody could expect to be, man. And it. It makes me feel, yeah, I'm, dude. I'm, I'm like, I'm smiling from ear to ear right now. I'm so happy, just thinking about potential listening to that song after this podcast is over. I was wrong. It, it's Club Nouveau. Club. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. They did the uh, the We Be Jamon version. Of, you know, the '80s version of Lean on Me. Yeah, what? I just thought of another really weird pop song. Um, Crash Test Dummies. Hmm. Na, na, na. Mm, there was this boy or kid who uh, got into an accident and couldn't go to school. Uh, mm, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that really weird. You know, uh, you know what else is a pretty weird song? Um, I think it's the the graduating class of 1998's song, the "Don't Wear Sunscreen." You ever heard that song? No. It's literally a speech, uh, and this guy gives it about like what life is and stuff, and it's got music to it, like really weird music, and he's talking like this the whole time, and then uh, it's basically mm. about why you don't, why you shouldn't wear sunscreen, but it's just, it's the craziest listen you'll ever have. You should you should definitely check it out. It's a uh, it's a cool little song. Hmm. You know what? Really weird. Another and. I don't know if I can really count this because I don't know if it was a single or not and it wasn't really popular, but most definitely Bike by Pink Floyd. You, 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 off their first album. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty weird song. Yeah. 
Bicycle by Queen is a pretty weird song. Yeah, that most definitely. Hey, there's a Bohemian Rhapsody. As much as I don't want to talk about it, just because I think it's so overly like dragged about, and everybody likes to bang their head during the song. I just I'm done with that song. I can't talk about it anymore. It just uh. There's so many great Queen songs other than that song. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and let's face it, there's uh, this movie that was just made aside. There's only one uh, one moment that should be depicted in cinema for uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody, and that's the car ride in Wayne's World, man. Like, that's how I like to envision my Queen, you know, just a bunch of dudes just having fun. I don't... Bohemian Rhapsody is hit or miss for me. I know we've had this conversation about uh, songs like that, but um, I, I never, uh, I never really cared for it before or after it was became a thing. And it's just the same thing's going to happen with Elton John. <clears throat> you know, the Rocket Man. Now everybody's suddenly going to have been a Rocket Man fan for years, and well, just like uh, Motley Crue. Yeah, you know, Motley Crue has spawned it. I don't think um I don't think you or you or I will ever get the uh the blessing of seeing a Floyd movie in those biopic fashions. Um but if they ever if I think it's because there's certain people that you couldn't do one of and I would I would think Pink Floyd probably it'd be like somebody saying, dude, they're making a Led Zeppelin movie. It's I don't think enough you couldn't convince the masses enough to, to understand what them dudes were doing. But was there really any like big backstory going on with Pink Floyd? Uh, Other than like David and, you know, well, Sid at the beginning, I guess, I guess kind of like the whole thing with Sid would probably make a really good movie. Yeah, that'd be a good, and and then, we, we we just wrote a script for the Pink Floyd biopic. It starts off with like Sid, and then Sid going off into you know like LSD acid trip land, and then at the end of the movie, he comes back into the studio while they're performing "Wish You Were Here," just like in real life. I mean, that's pretty much exactly how it went, though. Yeah. Uh, I know. That that I would watch that movie. I would also watch a movie because uh, you know Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody both have kind of revolved around the writing. I would I would watch a movie about the writing of the Wall to watch them go through that process. It's unentertaining to the masses as it may be, or Dark Side since I chose it. But you know the Wall had so much going for it. Like imagine all the stuff that they thought of for for that movie, the 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 marching hammers and everything. I want to. I want to watch somebody take acid and, and first it'd be like watching a Tolkien movie. I think uh, uh, Gerald Scarf, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He was the like the art director behind the wall, so I think he come up with like all the like you know characters and he he was like the you know creator of the hammers and and all and like the mother and all that and the schoolmaster. And the pig. Yeah. Well, I don't know what? about the pig. I think that's probably prognosis. Because that predates 
Um, that's like animals era. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know if like you know, you know how sometimes it goes. Like people mix around. Yeah. Mix and match. I didn't know if he uh, if he had a hand in the pig. But I see, know. I forgot. I forgot all about. Um, I forgot all about that. The animals thing. 